This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining podcasts. Do you like to listen? This episode of History Goes Bump is entirely listener-supported. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 238th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. On today's episode, we are going to an area that we have never been to before, Cape May in New Jersey. And wow, does this sound like a really neat town. Oh, it sounds like an amazing place to visit. So much so that I'm trying to squeeze it in on our road trip next year. I have a feeling we will be traveling across from Delaware to Cape May. It's going to be great fun. Yes, I have a strong feeling that you may be correct on that one, Diane. We are huge fans of the Twisted Philly podcast here. And I know from listening to that, that our friend Dina Marie, who's the host there, absolutely loves Cape May. It's one of her favorite places to visit. And we were recording a bonus episode with her for our Creepy Christmas series. And I said, well, while we have you on the phone, Dina, can we ask you a little bit about Cape May? And lo and behold, she actually had been to the location that we're featuring as well. So she's going to share a bunch about that. And that is the Emlyn Physic Estate. This was suggested by our listener, Becky Fleming. Before we get into that, we want to welcome to the Spooktacular crew, Tammy with only one M and an I. Hey, Tammy with one M and an I. Amy. Hey, Amy. Helenia, and I hope I said that right. Hello, Helenia. Teresa with no H. Hello, Teresa without an H. Lawrence. Hi, Lawrence. And Amelie. Hello, Amelie. And I hope we got that right. That's French. Now, this moment, naughty. The moment in oddity was suggested by listener Lindsay Sutton. In the mid-1980s, a musical subculture started in the Northwest that came to be known as grunge. Two prominent voices arose during that time, Kurt Cobain and Lane Staley. Kurt Cobain was the lead singer of the band Nirvana, and Lane Staley was the lead singer of Alice in Chains. The details of Cobain's death are mysterious. Officially, his death was ruled a suicide by shotgun, and he had high levels of heroin and diazepam in his system. There are some who believe that his death was staged to look like a suicide and that he was actually murdered. Staley died of what was officially ruled an accidental overdose of cocaine and heroin, known as a speedball. 
What is odd about both of these men's death is the fact that they both died on the exact same day, April 5th, eight years apart, and they both were found days after they died. Cobain was discovered three days after his death by an electrician at his house. Staley was discovered two weeks after his death. Was it just a coincidence that two of the most influential voices in grunge died on the exact same date? One thing is for sure, it certainly is odd. This history podcast is haunted. And now, this month in history. month of December, on the 24th in 1903, the first car number plate was issued in England. In the beginning of the 1900s, more and more people were becoming owners of cars in Great Britain. With more cars on the road, auto accidents began to increase. The Motor Car Act of 1903 made it compulsory for every motor car to be registered with the number plate to make it easier to identify cars. Registration began on January 1st, 1904. The first car plate number issued was, of course, A1. It was registered to Earl Russell, who had camped out all night to ensure that he received the first plate. The registration system has changed four times since then to accommodate all the vehicle registrations through the decades. Numbers were initially made up of a local council identifier code of up to three letters, followed by a random number, like ABC123. Cape May in New Jersey is considered to be America's oldest seaside resort, and while the word Cape is part of its name, Cape May is actually an island. Dr. Emlyn Physick Jr. built his home on Cape May at the age of 21, and he spent his entire life there. The estate is gorgeous with a unique stick-style Victorian architecture style. The doctor clearly loved the home that he shared with three other family members. They all died here, and perhaps that is why it is believed that all of their spirits have remained here as well. Join us and Dina Marie of the Twisted Philly podcast as we discuss the history and hauntings of the Emlyn Physic estate. The Ketchumetchi Indians of the Lenni Lenape tribe were the first people in the Cape May area. Sir Henry Hudson discovered the island in 1609 and Cornelius Jacobson May explored it in 1621. English colonists settled and built the island into a prosperous fishing and whaling colony. By the mid-1700s, Cape Island, as it was called at the time, became a popular place for vacationing. Visitors were brought in from Philadelphia by sloops, schooners, horse-drawn wagons, and stagecoaches. There were no official inns at the time, so guests were housed in residential homes and taverns. By 1834, there were six boarding houses, and people were coming from many East Coast big cities. Bigger hotels were built, like the New Atlantic, and by 1852, the Mount Vernon Hotel was under construction. The plan was to accommodate 3,500 guests at the hotel, making it the largest hotel in the world. It was consumed by fire in 1856 before it was completed. The cottage era began in the 1860s. This was a time when land was parceled out for Philadelphia families to build summer homes. A devastating fire broke out in 1878 and destroyed 35 acres of the heart of the island. Cape Island was rebuilt in a scaled-down version with architecture following the Gothic, Queen Anne, and American bracketed styles. One of the new homes built at that time in 1879 was the Emlyn Physic Estate. 
we just got done recording a really fun, creepy Christmas that's going to come out on Christmas Day with Dina Marie of the Twisted Philly podcast. And as I was looking at the calendar, I saw our next location and it was going to be in this place called Cape May. And I went, you know what? I know I've heard of this place before because Dina has mentioned it several times on her podcast and I know she loves this place. So I think I'm going to ask her a little bit about Cape May. So we said, would you join us to talk about Cape May and the, is it Emlyn Physic House? The Emlyn Physic Estate. Estate. Gotcha. Dina, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you and Denise? We're We're doing doing fabulous. Before we get into all of that, would you tell the listeners a little bit about your podcast? Sure. I host the Twisted Philly podcast. It's a show with lots of different types of stories. There's history and ghost stories, true crime, legends and lore, all from Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. There's also some tourism about great places to visit. You can find it on all major podcast apps and you can follow me on social media at Twisted underscore Philly or the Twisted Philly podcast on Facebook. We love having people join us on the podcast when they've been to a location because it helps kind of give people eyes to the places that we're talking about. And Cape May sounds like an extraordinary place with these Victorian buildings. And it's almost like you step back in time when you go there. Is that true? It is absolutely true. It is America's oldest seaside resort. The entire town is on the National Historic Registry. And it's just, it's unbelievable. You both, you have to come. There's so much history there. So many of the properties are restored Victorian properties that are anywhere from 150 to over 200 years old. And because it's on the National Historic Registry, they are all maintained authentically. So the colors that they would have been during Victorian times, the his and hers staircases, because women were not allowed to walk up the same side of the stairs as men were. So you'll see a number of houses that have steps leading up to their front porch from either side of the property because men weren't allowed to see women's ankles. Mm. So, you know, you're there in modern times with cars and cell phones and you're walking past just everything around you is like you just stepped into the Victorian era. And it's magic. How long does it take to get to Cape May from Philadelphia? It takes about an hour and 45 minutes. It is the furthest Jersey Shore point. That's what we say here in Philly. We say we're going down the shore. Even northern shore points, we all just say we're going down the shore. What I find so funny about Cape May is it is literally exit zero on the Garden State Parkway, which is the road you take to get there from Philly. So Literally, you are getting off at a sign that says exit zero. So if you look at a map of New Jersey, Cape May is the very bottommost tip of New Jersey. It's actually south of the Mason-Dixon line. How interesting, because we have just the opposite. When you go down the Keys in Florida, when you get all the way down to Key West, you're at mile marker zero. (laughs) So we could go from Key West all the way up the East Coast down over to Cape May And we'd go from zero to zero. Yes, you would. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So tell us about like, are there great places to eat in Cape May? Is it quaint shops that you can go into? All of that. So there are fabulous restaurants. If you want traditional seafood from a seaside town, there's fabulous Italian restaurants, a place called Akamia. There's great little French restaurants. I love to get up at about six in the morning and I go walking in the city and, you know, there isn't much open except a little spot where you could stop for coffee and a bagel, but it's so quiet and it's so beautiful. There's fabulous shopping. 
I mean, fabulous shopping. I can't even begin to describe how great the shopping is. Denise's eyes and, just got wide. Oh, the jewelry, Denise, the jewelry, handmade jewelry from local artists in oh. Cape May. There's there's so many festivals, especially like from spring through early fall, almost every weekend or every other weekend. There's some sort of a festival, a craft festival, an art festival. It doesn't have a boardwalk like people traditionally think of. So a lot of the Jersey Shore points have these huge boardwalks with rides and T-shirt shops and all the noise and the bells and the whistles. That is not Cape May. Cape May has a promenade that goes along the beach. There is a very small little arcade. There's a couple of T-shirt shops and a fudge shop, and that's it. This is quiet. It's historical. It's quaint. A lot of families that go to Cape May will then drive a little bit further back up the highway to go to boardwalks like that once or twice. But I actually like that about Cape May. I like that I'm really there to enjoy the town and absorb everything it has to offer, especially the tours. There are so many history tours. There's carriage rides, horse and carriage ride history tours. There's trolley history tours. There's haunted history tours. There's Victorian romance tours, all on carriages or trolleys or walking tours. So there's so much to learn and experience in Cape May. Here's a funny story. So Henry Ford raced, uh, I forget his first name, but Chevrolet in the early 1900s on the beach in Cape May, and he lost to Chevy. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> I know I would say a few things about go Chevy, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Stop me because when I start talking about Cape May, I can ramble. So you'll have to cut me off, I'm sure. Well, what's interesting when you brought that up, there's actually a restaurant at Disney at the Beach Club Resort, which it's a very beachy type looking yeah. resort. And the restaurant there is called Cape May Cafe. It's a I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. With seafood and everything. I wonder if it's named for Cape May. That's think? what I'm thinking. Yeah. I think it is. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that until you just said that. Interesting. I love that you mentioned that there wasn't a boardwalk because I was going to ask you because that's what you envision when you're thinking about this. And I actually like the fact that it doesn't. I like that feeling of it being more historical and quieter. And I was also going to ask, do they, you know, do some of the horse-drawn carriages and stuff there? Obviously, they do. Yeah, they do. And what's really nice, so as, as you drive west, as you head into West Cape May, which is, it's just about a three-mile road from where the, the main historic area of Cape May is, out to what we call the point, there's a sunken ship there off the coast from the 40s from World War II. And you also drive past the farm where all the horses live when they're not pulling the carriages. And I, there's been a lot of discussion and debate about companies that do carriage tours and whether or not that's appropriate for the horses. And what's really great about the Cape May Carriage Company is, you know, you can see the farm that the horses live on. You see them there when they're not in town and they take really wonderful care of their horses. So it's, it's one of those companies that you feel good about versus feeling like, hey, is this dicey for the horses? Sure. I think it's a difference, too, between a Cape May setting versus a New York City setting. It's, you know, yeah. one the horse and carriage fits in, the other one, not so much. The other thing I wanted to ask you is this is called Cape May. So you have these visions of just this kind of cape jutting out, but it's actually an island. Is that true? It is. You have to cross a bridge. As soon as you get off the highway, you cross a bridge to get into Cape May. Okay. So it is an island. And I know they did a lot of a lot of their economy early on was built on fishing and whaling. Do they still have a lot of fishing that they do there? 
They do. So pretty much anything that you eat, uh, you know, any kind of lobster, mussels, scallops, crab, it's all fresh. I mean, it was probably literally caught, you know, an hour or two before it landed on your plate. And one of the things I used to like to do when I was little is go crabbing with my grandfather. We would get crab traps and we would go crabbing when we were down the beach and catch our own crabs and then bring them back to the house that my mom's family had with an extended family when I was little. And we would cook our own crabs that we caught right off the beach in Cape May. Oh, that is so neat. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. I thought that this was going to be wonderful because you'd actually been to Cape May and could tell us about that. Well, then I mentioned the Emlyn Physic Estate and you're like, oh yeah, I've been there too. So I was like, well, cool. So this sounds like a really interesting house because not only is it Victorian in style, but it's this stick style, which I had never heard of before. But I guess basically it's almost like you peel back some of the layers of the house so that you can see the underneath or I don't know how exactly you would describe it, but some of the wood that you normally wouldn't have just kind of jutting out, showing almost kind of showing the skeleton popping Mm -hmm. out of the house. Is is that kind of what it looks like a little bit? It is. So if, if you look at pictures of it online, both inside and outside, it does seem like more of the structure is revealed than what you would normally see. And as you look at the Emlyn Physic Estate, comparatively to other Victorian homes in Cape May, it's very different. And a lot of that is due to the architect. He was a man named Frank Furness, who was a Philadelphia architect. Very few of the properties he built in Philadelphia are still standing. I think one of them is the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Art. But he had this stick style where it, it did reveal somewhat of the structure. It was still aesthetically pleasing and very aesthetically impressive, but it doesn't have as much gingerbread and mm. as much covering as a lot of the other Victorian properties do in Cape May and, and homes of that time. The other thing about the Physic Estate is that its scale is enormous. You'll see other three-story properties in town, and they do not match the size of this home. It is, it's three stories, but when you look at it, you feel like you're being dwarfed. And that was another signature of Frank Furness, that his properties were so much larger than, than other properties of the time. And he's revered now, but his peers and contemporaries back in the 1800s really found his work to be garish and ugly. I think uh, Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright even called it healthily pregnant is how he referred to Frank Furness's designs. Now, that's funny coming from him calling something garish. And <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's it is Victorian. It has the signature dormer windows and a, and a big wrap front porch. But other than that, it looks very different because so much of the, the clabbered side is very distinguishable as you look at the property, like the edges where the walls are put together. It's it's that stick style. You just pieces of the house just look like sticks kind of sticking out or attached to it on the surface. And the roof seems like it's more steep than what you would normally think of a roof, almost kind of flat, straight up and down and, and longer than you would normally think of. Very much so. And again, if, if when you look at this next to other houses, and there's huge properties in, in Cape May, it's so different. It's so different than anything else. And, you know, this is the only property he did in Cape May. And I think part of that is because Emlyn Physic was, his family was from Philadelphia. His, it was his grandfather or his father was one of the uh, founders of American surgery. So he has Philadelphia roots. He had a Philadelphia architect who I think just really wanted to stand out. And if the way the house looks today is nothing like what it looked like 40 years ago, it was 
in a complete state of disrepair. It was terrifying looking like it looked like something out of the Munsters. It was really <laughs> I mean, I, I remember being really little in the, you know, in the 70s and in the early 70s and driving to go from one place in Cape May to another and passing that house. And of course, at the time, I didn't know it was the Emlyn Physic Estate, but I was scared of it. It was foreboding and ominous and it was massive. It's still massive, but now it's been fully restored and it's it's beautiful, but it does have some odd angles to it. It really does. And some interesting information that goes with the Physic family's roots is that the grandfather was Dr. Philip Singh Physic, and he is referred to as the father of American surgery, as Dina was saying there. He invented the stomach pump in 1812. Oh my gosh, so so many people who OD'd are grateful to that man. Indeed, and I believe the first time he used it was on two African-American men who had gotten some poison into their system. And he made this stomach pump and it worked beautifully and it saved their lives. That's fantastic. I know you sent a picture from the inside. Obviously, they've got uh, the Victorian wallpaper and a lot of the dark carved wood and showed us a picture of the furnace fireplace there. It's just magnificent the way it is carved. Yeah, Furnace was a master at interiors. So that was besides the buildings that he did and designed as an architect, he worked with a lot of other architects just on interiors. And his woodwork is incredible. But again, it's massive. So when you enter the Physic Estate, so much of the interior is is this dark mahogany wood. The foyer is all wood. The walls are all these massive wood panels. The ceiling is wood panel with tin squares in between. The fireplace that I sent you, it, it is a floor to ceiling mantle. It is massive. And some of them have mirrors above the fireplace. And a few of them are the original mirrors from the 1870s. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. How Do you know how much of the furniture inside is original? So some of it is original. You know, the house, it was built in 1879. That's when Emlyn Physic moved into it with his mother, Frances, and her two sisters, his maiden aunts. They were unmarried spinsters, if you will. And by, I guess by 1935 was when, so he and his mother and one of his aunts had all passed away, you know, between the late 1800s and maybe 1910, 1920, his aunt Emily was the last one to die in 1935. And the house went to a neighbor after she passed away, someone who cared for her in her later years. And then it went to a wealthy family who eventually sold it before they moved to California. And they sold it to the Cape May Inn Company. And the company did nothing with it. And that was in the late 60s. And so in the 70s, the city of Cape May was going to tear it down because it, it had just gone into such a state of disrepair and people would go in and take stuff. And so there was some furniture found in the attic. There was some furniture found in outbuildings. So some of the furniture is original to the property, but all of the furniture in the house is at least from that time period, from the 1880s through 1915 when Emlyn Physic passed away. His I'm sorry, his mother passed away in 1915. He passed away in 1916. So even if it wasn't their property, it's all pieces that are of that time. They had a really interesting arrangement there because he moves in when he's 21 and moves in there with his mother and his aunts. He never gets married. They never get married. It's, it's kind of an interesting thing you have going on. Not only that, but he also is Dr. Physic, although he never practiced. Right. I heard an interesting story about his mother because I was looking and going, huh, her last name is Ralston. That's kind of weird. So I was looking into that and found out that that was her remarried name. She got married to somebody else because his father had passed away. But supposedly they had not been legally married to each other. 
And so she had to go to the courts to fight to make sure that he was given his father's name or that somehow on his birth certificate or something to make him legitimate because she was worried about him being, because he was basically illegitimate and she wanted to make sure that he was not known as that for his life. So I thought that was kind of interesting when I found that out. And they talk about that when you take a tour of the Physic Estate. So you can do a guided tour that's hosted by the Mid-Atlantic Center for the Arts. It's an association that we call MAC. And that's the association that saved the Emlyn Physic Estate from being torn down and raised all of the funds to restore it. So when you do a guided tour, they talk to you about the history of the property. They talk to you about the history of of Dr. Physic and his mother and his aunts. And they share a little bit about his past. And I don't want to say sorted. I think that's that's too harsh. (laughs) a word, but certainly, I don't know, maybe suspect or curious Mm -hmm. is his curious past. So yeah, that's that's definitely something they talk about. Interesting, because I also heard that Isabel, she was, I I can't remember, or I'm not sure what she was sick with, but she basically was in a wheelchair. And we know from the different locations that we've done during the Victorian period and such, that if you had somebody who was more sickly or might be a little mentally challenged or something, you'd kind of lock them away or put them away. You wouldn't want them out for public viewing. And Isabel, I guess, kind of fell along those lines. And somebody had said when they would first were first doing the tours at the house, they never even mentioned Isabel. And I'll tell you, when I first was doing research on this, I didn't see anything about Isabel. It was just his mother and Aunt Emily. And then all of a sudden, I saw a couple other places where they were talking about this Isabel. And I'm like, well, who is she? So then when I looked into it, I'm like, huh, I wonder why some of these other places don't mention her. And I guess the tours didn't really mention her at the beginning either, because she was such a hidden kind of facet that I don't know that they realized that she was had been there. And I don't know that she'd lived there for very long because she died fairly young, I think. Yeah, she was only 30 when she passed away. And I, I think as they uncovered more history about the family and about the property, because I, I only toured it with a guide, I want to say maybe six years ago. And it was and it was so worth it. I, you know, I kept smacking myself like, why didn't I do this before? Why didn't I go with a guide? Some people think she had epilepsy Mm. and she was confined to the second floor. So being in a wheelchair, she was never able to come downstairs. I think she was intentionally confined, Mm -hmm. you know, like you were saying. I mean, yes, she was she was unwell. But based on what I what I've read and the, the little bit that they share about her, they don't get into it too much other than to say, you know, his one aunt Isabel was was ill and suffered a long-term condition. But just everything I read, it feels like exactly what you're saying, that she was confined perhaps against her will or at least shuttered away mm-hmm. as so as to not be an embarrassment or a burden, you know, on the family and their reputation. Something else that's kind of fun there is he really loved dogs and he did a lot to give money to the charities that they had back then that would take care of dogs. And they had a lot of dogs in that well, not necessarily in the house because his mother didn't like having the dogs there. No, she didn't. But Aunt Emily would make sure the dogs would come in whenever she wasn't there. Yay for <laughs> Aunt Emily. Well, and Emily was there by herself for quite a long time. She was there for another 20 years after Francis and then Emlyn passed away. So he had a, a huge dog run that was outside the house next to the carriage house. And the carriage house is still there as well. Today, it's a gift shop and a little cafe, and it's where you go to buy your tickets to do the tour of the house. And so that part of the property where he had the dog run and the kennel's probably too formal of a word, but he had a lot of dogs on that property. And that's one of the prevalent ghost stories is Emlyn Physics dogs. Talking about the ghost stories, the interesting thing with this family is that it's my understanding that all of them died in the house. They did. 
And when you talk to people about who's haunting the place, it seems like all of them haunt the place too. So it's like they all died there and they all decided to stay there together. Have you done a ghost tour there or did you just do the standard tour? I did not do a ghost tour. So usually when I'm in Cape May, I'm there with my daughter and it must have skipped a generation because she doesn't (laughs) like anything spooky. She does not believe in ghosts. And so I push back on her and say, well, if you don't believe in ghosts, then why don't you want to do a ghost tour? Because according to you, they don't exist anyway. Nothing to be afraid of. Exactly. So I I won't push her to do something that makes her uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So when we do tours, we usually do the history tours. And then a couple times a year, I'll go down by myself so that I can do some of the spookier stuff. So I haven't done a ghost tour there. The tours I've done, they talk just a little bit about that. But there is a psychic medium from Cape May. His name is Craig McManus. And he's written a few books about haunted properties in Cape May. And the Physic Estate is one that he talks about quite a bit. It's one that he claims he's had experiences and he's witnessed and sensed all of the ghosts. Aunt Isabel, Aunt Emily, his mother, Francis, and Emlyn, and of course, the dogs. And I believe he's the one who actually leads the ghost tours there, too. I was reading, there's this, the blog on the borderland, and the woman who writes that blog actually went to a seance that they do at the estate, and he leads the seances there, I guess. And she's, I think, similar to all of us, where we consider ourselves open-minded skeptics. We believe there's something going on out there, we're just not really sure about it. And so she was, when you do these tours and they tell you things ahead of time and kind of get you in that mindset, you start to think you're seeing things or think you're hearing things. There's a lot of the power of suggestion. Mm -hmm. So she said a lot of people were kind of doing that and she was just hemming and hawing and not thinking anything of it. And then she said, at some point in the midst of all this, a woman to my left asked, did anyone hear that sigh? And I realized that I had indeed been hearing a sigh for some period of time. So she's hearing this sigh in her ear, but I think she just thought it was somebody who was near her sighing. And then she realized, well, there was nobody near her and this woman is asking about it. And she's like, well, it's not me sighing. She said, yeah, I did hear that sigh and I have been hearing it. And it wasn't just any sigh either. It hung in the air just off my left shoulder. It was not a typical weary sigh, not an exasperated or wistful sigh, but a long, breathy, drawn out sound. That's not the kind of sigh I want to hear over my shoulder. No, me neither. (laughs) She said it's sort of like wind or the opening of an airlock or like the spooky respiration of some unnamed person on the other end of the phone line. It had a physical quality that pricked my skin. It seemed to occupy both the space in the room and some other void. I looked around and tried to figure out if anyone around me could be doing all that sighing, but I couldn't tell for sure. Then the sound moved. It migrated up and to the rear, and I heard it just behind and above my head near the door, and there was definitely no one standing back there. I was like, oh, no, thank you. And, you know, I love it when we hear these stories from people who are like, I don't really believe in that stuff, but... I would bet that if that was a ghost, I would bet it was Emily. The people that I talked to in Cape May and other folks I know that have done the tours there and and talk about the Physica State being haunted, more often than not, they mention Emily is probably the most active spirit there. Mm -hmm. And it could be because she lived there the longest and she also lived there alone. I I can't say I've ever personally experienced anything there, anything tangible. I will say one tour 
that my daughter and I were on just coming down the staircase. So when you're when you're standing and some of the pictures you can see online, the staircase is magnificent. I mean, it's the, the kind of thing you can just picture someone in Victorian clothing, a woman in a beautiful Victorian justice walking down this very grand staircase with massive molding made out of mahogany. And it's it's polished so brightly, you can almost see your reflection in it. It's just magnificent. And the staircase is massive. So it's big and it's wide and there's room, easily room for people to move comfortably as you're on a tour. It just felt crowded. Mm. And that, that's the only thing I can describe. I didn't sense anybody near me. You know, there were all the people on the tour and we weren't crowding each other, but there was this one stretch of the stairway coming down from the, the second floor. It just, it just felt crowded. It was weird. Interesting. When you're talking about Aunt Emily, I've been hearing a lot of the same stories too. And they said that she was more fun loving. And so when her spirit interacts with people, it's not a scary experience for people. And I haven't heard of anything that's really what I would consider scary. Now, obviously, when you hear doors opening and closing on their own or somebody sighing over your shoulder, that's scary. But it's nothing that's malevolent or pushing or trying to hurt anybody. And so that's one of the nice things about this is that the hauntings seem more of a... People really loved this home and decided that they wanted to stay there. And I tend to think the same thing you do about Emily is that she'd lived there for so long and been there by herself that she might have just gotten very attached to it. I think so, too. I, I know some of the stories I read, the the owners that had the house in the 60s before they sold it to the, the Cape May Inn Company, they complained quite a bit about footsteps, footsteps on the second floor, which makes me wonder if Aunt Isabel really was confined to a wheelchair, hmm. if that's where most of her time was spent, was on the second floor. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't other people that were there, obviously. You know, Dr. Physic and his mother, I'm sure they used every part of the house while they lived there. But reading that so much of what they experienced was just all these footsteps on the second floor, it just, just makes me question like what her what her experience and her existence was like there. But yeah, I've, I've never heard or read about any nefarious experience there. It's all very innocuous and harmless. I know the people that you were talking about there, he and his wife had gotten it from the neighbor who had had it willed to them. They'd bought the house from her. And then his wife died shortly after they had bought the house. I think it was about three years afterward. So then he remarried and... Obviously, this haunting activity was going on during that whole time, but the new wife apparently didn't like it. And so, yeah, <laughs> she's like, uh, we're going to have to move into an apartment. So that that's what that's why they ended up leaving it is because she just didn't want to stay there anymore. I wonder if it was more active because there were particular people in the house that perhaps the spirits just didn't care for quite as much as others. Yeah. I mean, maybe the new wife was, uh, <laughs> they didn't like the new wife. <laughs> the other thing that's interesting is, I don't know if his wife had died in the house, but it, it makes you wonder if maybe there would be a connection there, too, with I would assume she had died younger. I know that Dr. Physic's mother had died of cancer in the house and it had been pretty agonizing for her. So I'm wondering, possibly, we don't know, I'm just speculating here, that maybe this man's wife might have had cancer too. And maybe there was kind of a camaraderie there with that. And so there might have been that kind of a connection. And so then you bring in the new wife and it's like, hey, wait a minute. That was my friend that not necessarily quote unquote replacing her with, but you know what I'm saying. I think that's a reasonable theory to to put out there, you know, especially if with his with his wife, if she was ill and and obviously that's what happened to, to Dr. Physic's mother. Her spirit could probably empathize with what the, the new resident was going through. 
Craig McManus, obviously, he's written the books. He's written a lot of articles, too. And he had said he didn't really want to go to the house because he doesn't like to do the history stuff like we do. (laughs) And so his friend had said, I really want to go see this historical house. They do these tours there. Please just come with me. And he's like, okay, I will go with you. And he said he was so glad that he had gone with her because he has had some of his best paranormal times of his career at this house. So he's got so much activity that he's picked up on there. And I kind of go back and forth with psychics and mediums and whether I believe it or what have you. But he said from the moment he walked into that house, he could just feel the spirits that were there. Yeah, he's written quite a bit about that house, about a number of properties in Cape May, but I think probably the most about the Physic Estate. There's a Ghosts of Cape May trolley tour. So it's you're, you're going through the city at night on this adorable old trolley, and they drive past a number of the properties that have reported hauntings at them. And obviously one of the stops is at the Physic Estate, and they talk quite a bit about Craig. And all of the ghost stories they share are from seances or investigations Craig McManus did at those properties. Mm. It's not the Craig McManus ghost tour, but it's, it sounds, yeah, it's basically (laughs) the Craig McManus ghost tour. (laughs) I I think at one point I said to the driver, I was like, Hey, I already have all of his books. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of drivers, I guess Dr. Physics driver, they, he might be haunting the carriage house there, according to Craig. You know, I don't believe that. I don't. I don't believe that for a minute. I don't know why a driver would want to hang. I mean, this was my job. I really don't want to hang out with the automobile there. But an interesting fun fact to go with this is that Dr. Physic had the first automobile in Cape May. Well, then that might make sense of why the driver wanted to stay, because that's not something everybody got to do as a job is drive an automobile, maybe. I don't think he died there. So it would make you wonder why he would come back. No, I never I never read that he passed away there. Certainly when I've done out, they're not Craig's tours, but when I've done tours of the house, they, they never mention anything about that. And I mean, I guess for a medium or a psychic, it would be different. But I just think about what the carriage house is. It's It's busy. There's always something going on. It just seems like that would be a really unsettling place for a spirit to stay. You know, I can understand how even with the tours in the main house, there's still lots of space and quiet time. And it's not like it's people going in and out very quickly. But in the carriage house, it's you're buying your tickets, you're buying souvenirs, you're ordering food at the cafe, you're running in to use the restroom before you take a tour of the house. It just doesn't it doesn't feel like a space that would be conducive to a spirit wanting to hang out there. Gotcha. I, I wouldn't think a carriage house would <laughs> be a very pleasant place to be either. Not in the afterlife. Dina, I want to thank you for joining us to talk about Cape May. And I have to tell you, I already wanted to visit the place, but listening to you talk about it, it's like, I have no doubt. That's why I was like, well, how long does it take to get there from Philly? So when we come up to Philly, we might have to take a little extra jaunt to go up. Did you say up the shore or down Down the the shore? shore. Got you. Down down the the shore. shore. I'll get you talking like a Philadelphian. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be calling it, you'll be calling it a John before you're done. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Calling, oh, the bathroom. You can call anything John. You can call your house John. You can call a store John. I'm hitting. I'm hitting that John. And what we John? John J A W N. Gotcha. John. There you go. Well, I know Denise is already working out something for us to come up there visiting. So, 
I can't wait. I cannot wait. I'm so oh, I'm so excited for you guys to come here and yeah. and see Cape May. I think you would both just fall in love with it. It's it's the only place I've ever been other than the Garden District that feels a little bit like the Garden District because it's just uh, it's just extraordinary. Thank you, Dina, for joining us. We really appreciate it. And tell everybody about your where they can find you uh, on the internet and such. Oh, thank you so much for having me again. I really appreciate it. You can find Twisted Philly on all major podcast apps, and you can follow me on Twitter at Twisted underscore Philly and on Facebook at the Twisted Philly Podcast. Awesome. Well, you know, it's one of my top five podcasts that I listen to, so I absolutely oh, thank love you. it. I think you're an awesome and an amazing storyteller. Thank you very much. All right. Well, you have a great weekend. Have a fabulous new year. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Many people claim to have had experiences at this historic home. Have they really experienced something, or is it just the power of suggestion? Has the psychic Craig McManus actually made contact with the former residents of the home in their spirit forms? Is the Imlin Physic Estate haunted? That is for you to decide. Definitely a place that I plan on seeing in the very near future. Yes, in less than a year. I'm fascinated to see that stick style in person. And it was fabulous having Dina join us. We have such a great time with her. So maybe she'll be able to join us in Cape May. We'll see if we can twist our arm. <laughs> twist the arm of the twisted Philly. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> twisted Dina twist. gets a twisted arm. That's right. I was super excited that she said that there's great shopping there. I know you were. We want to thank all of you for all of your Christmas wishes that you sent our way, whether it was cards or emails or on Facebook. We really enjoyed getting those from you. And uh, we hope that our executive producers enjoyed getting their Christmas cards as well. If you are an executive producer and you didn't get a Christmas card from us, it probably is because we don't have your mailing address. We tried several different ways to try to get them. And so make sure that we do have your mailing address because we will be sending out things here in the future. And uh, uh, we might not always announce when we're going to be doing that. So, And we don't use it for advertising or w what's that warning they always put on things? We will never sell your information to anybody. We encourage you to check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And Denise, if people want to send us some feedback, where can they do that? They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. We did get an email from April. Hi, Diane and Denise. I'm just catching up with some of the latest episodes, and I heard Diane ask if any of us have had Dickens-related fairs where we live. And it just so happens that we do in San Francisco. The Dickens Fair happens for about seven weekends after Thanksgiving to near Christmas, and it is awesome and fun to join in. My family and I have been going to this attraction since I first came to America six years ago. I'm sorry I don't have a lot of pictures, but I was too busy having fun. Me and my best friend got lucky because we were in the bookshop when Queen Victoria and her retinue passed by. And it was so cool because for the past few years, I've been there whenever the queen passes by and the people would always flock together and it would be so hard to see her and Prince Albert. And she sent us pictures of that. Yeah, it looked very cool. Would love to see something like that in San Francisco as well. Speaking of Queen Victoria, this reminds me on Christmas Day, we went to go see the movie The Greatest Showman. Usually we don't talk about movies on the podcast, but y'all know how much I love sideshows, freak shows, oddities, curiosities, and I just absolutely loved this movie. It is based loosely, I would say, on P.T. Barnum. I don't know how much of it is really truthful, but it was so much fun. We love musicals, so we loved that. 
absolutely adored the music. Tammy, you were right. It, as a matter of fact, it was so great that the following day I got on iTunes and downloaded the whole album and put it on my iPod. And I've actually been listening to a little bit more music than podcasts for the past couple days. What row? I know. That's how much I love the music. But it is. it was just a lot of fun. And if you love that and the circus and everything, it just kind of takes you away to that world. And I just absolutely adored it. And I really liked it because it was kind of like the fringe people getting their voice and being there and being known and forming a community that was supportive like a family when they were kind of shunned by the proper world or whatever. And so that, I think, speaks to a lot of our hearts. So that was really cool, too. Yeah, it was like he took them out of the shadows and put them up on the stage, basically. And he said, you know, people might be laughing at you and staring at you over here, but why don't you get paid to do it? Barb sent us an email. Hi, ladies. I absolutely love your show. I've got a story for you. Back in 2010, I was in Vegas for my 41st birthday. I was staying at the Luxor Hotel on the sixth floor. After a hard-fought battle at the poker table, my girlfriend and I decided we'd had enough celebration and headed to our room. As we settled in to go to sleep, I heard what sounded like a small child out in the hallway. I thought that maybe it was other guests down the hall, so I just closed my eyes and tried to fall asleep. After about 10 minutes, I heard the little child again. So I got up to check out what's going on. I opened the door to find no one in the hallway. Thinking I was just hearing things, I returned to bed. A few moments later, I heard the child once again along with a cat's meow. I thought for sure they were outside my door this time and I went to check it out again to find nothing once more. Frustrated, I laid back down. Looking at the clock, reading 3.33 a.m., I must get some sleep. When suddenly I felt my entire body shift as if someone had just sat on the bed right next to me. My girlfriend sleeping soundly beside me, I knew we had an unexpected guest in our room. I swiped my hand across the area in front of me only to feel coldness and nothing. Needless to say, I didn't sleep at all that night and have not been back there again. I hope you enjoyed my story. Keep up the great work. Well, we did enjoy that. And what's interesting about this is the Luxor Hotel is, I mean, it's been around for a while, but it's a fairly new hotel in perspective of the hotels in Las Vegas. And I had not heard anything about the Luxor being haunted. Apparently, there's a child hanging out there or something pretending to be a child hanging out there. And it makes me wonder where the cat's meow came from. Was it the child making the noise or was it a ghost cat too? I don't know, but that was a great story. We also have a story by Jennifer. She heard our episode on Gettysburg College and she wanted to share an experience that they had in Gettysburg. And she actually recorded it herself. So here, we'll share that with you now. This is the recording to document an experience that I had in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania in July of 2011. I went to Gettysburg with my brother and sister, some members of their family, and we stayed overnight for two nights for a weekend to uh, go on a ghost hunting tour. And the ghost hunting tour took us to the Tilly Pierce house, and it was me my sister and her husband and their son, it was my son, my brother and his wife. And we all went together to the Tilly Pierce house with other people to do this ghost hunting experience. And at one point in the house, we were all upstairs and I believe it was just us, like our group, because there was like a lot of people there, but other people were scattered through the house. But I believe it was just our group and we were all together upstairs in the attic. and. We were given equipment to use. I had a box that like would light up like red and green. I forget what it's called. Like a, it's not an EVP, but it was just like an electromagnetic 
box that would light up red or green, like if a supposed spirit was near you or something. I think a lot of us were given that. My brother-in-law, I don't think he took anything. He just had his own video camera, and he was videoing the whole thing. And my sister, she had, I don't know if she had one of those boxes, but she had her own camera, and she was taking pictures. My son was given the dowsing rods. He was using those, and that's really the only equipment that I need for this story. I don't know if, I'm sure my brother and my sister-in-law had something. So we were all up in the attic, walking around, and my son, who, you know, is a pretty level-headed kid, he was walking around the dowsing rods, and all of a sudden, he started, like, freaking out, like, going, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like, I don't like this, or whatever, and he's, like, shaking his hands, and he just, like, stormed out of the attic. Now, while he's saying that, my brother-in-law is videoing, he's videoing him, he's videoing around. My sister is just snapping pictures, snapping pictures, snapping pictures. So when my son took off and ran down the steps, you know, I went after him to make sure he was okay and what was wrong. And when I got a hold of him, he's like, I don't know, something was going, like I could feel all this stuff, these vibrations and stuff going up my arm. It was freaking me out. I just had to get out of there. And I don't remember if he like through the rods on the ground if he had them or what but he was just freaking out because he was feeling all these sensations so you know i just told him it's okay all right don't use those things or whatever so then eventually everybody came down i think we separated me and my brother and sister-in-law went into one room and my my sister and her husband went into like the living room and you know we went throughout the night and we were there probably till like two or three in the morning and then it was over you get back your equipment and we went back to our place that we were staying some hotel and spent the night now the next morning we were getting up and we were going to go just a regular normal tour not a ghost tour of the battlefield and we were getting on those segways and we were going to like drive around on those it was really cool if they've ever get an opportunity to go there it's really neat you could be on these segways and they have headphones and it like tells you all about it as you're the battlefield as you're driving around so we had like time when we went out to breakfast we came back to the Place. We had time to kill. We were all just sitting around, and my sister said, "You know, why don't we put the camera on the TV?" Because my brother-in-law had like things he hook up to the TV and like look at the pictures of last night. So we're just going through, going because we did other stuff before we went because the ghost hunting started at like 12 midnight. So we went to this other little like haunted house thing where it was like you know dummies and stuff of like battle scenes and stuff and ghost scenes. It was like a fake thing. It was cute. So we were looking at pictures of that, took pictures, you know, when we went out to dinner, we were looking at pictures of that, and we finally got to, like, the ghost hunting thing, and we were looking through pictures of that. So, you know, my brother-in-law was just clicking through the camera, clicking through the camera, and I don't remember who said it. I think it might have been me. I was like, wait, like, go back. Did you guys see something? So he went back, and everyone's looking at this picture, and we're all like, oh, my God. And what we saw was... I was upstairs in the attic, just where my son was freaking out. <clears throat> so we have on video camera my son freaking out, my sister taking pictures. But this was a still picture of what looked like a Civil War soldier. He was, like, against the wall. You could see the hat, a beard. You could see, like, I don't know if all soldiers have it or if it was just, like, you know, people like lieutenants and sergeants and stuff. But you could see, like, something on his shoulder, like, as if it was hanging over his shoulder. Like, if he had, like, um topple there or something i don't know what it is um you could see something on his shoulder you could see his jacket with like buttons on it and we were all like oh my god you know we have to take this and show them and 
And then they were doing construction. At this point, a lady who owned the ghost hunting group, she owned this house. And there was, like, stuff around that you could see they were doing construction, but she was, like, turning it into, I don't know, if she was just going to use it for ghost hunting or she was making it, like, you know, a restaurant or anything. But you could tell that they were doing, like, spackling and stuff. So I'm like, are you sure that's not just, like, matrixing and making sure it's not spackling there? So we wanted to go back and look in the room, but we never could. And it really did look like a person. It didn't really, it didn't look like, didn't look solid. It looked like fog. So I don't think it was spackling. But when we went back to show them, they were all like, okay. But they didn't act like they were like so interested. They were just like, okay, why don't you email it to us? Instead of being like all excited, like, oh my God, you guys did get something. So we were just like, screw these people. And we never sent them anything. But I wish we did because now when I say to my sister, can you email me that picture? Or can you make copies and give us all that picture? She can't find it. It's like nowhere on her camera. Like it somehow got erased. And it's not like they erased all pictures from that evening because all the other pictures are there. It's just that one is not there. And, you know, sometimes I listen to programs that they say that when you do catch something and then you go back to find it, somehow or another, it's erased. It's gone. Like somehow the spirit world knows and they erase it from you so you can't like show other people or something. I don't know. That's my experience of Gettysburg and I just wanted to record it so that I don't forget it as time goes on. Well, that's interesting. First of all, you've got the kid feeling scared enough that he wanted to get the heck out of there. And usually kids pick up on that stuff pretty, pretty well. And then you have this picture to go with it that they think they might have captured this soldier. So it does make you wonder if they did have something in that house that they experienced. I still don't know how I would do with something quite that because everything we've had was kind of after the fact ish. And so that would be kind of like, ooh. Yeah, we've never had what I would call a scary experience. Nope. We have some reviews from Apple Podcasts. First one is from Pam Newsome. Fun and interesting. Five stars. I'm loving the show. Thank you, Pam. Phoenix Oliver 3. Fabulous podcast. Five stars. I stumbled across this podcast a couple weeks ago. I was immediately hooked. I've been binging all the older episodes in every free minute I have, including driving in the car. I love that the history and the paranormal aspects are mingled into one podcast. Diana Denise do a fantastic job of presenting each episode. I love learning the history and then getting spooked. I do have to make sure not to listen right before bedtime, though. LOL. I look forward to listening to every single episode. Well, thank you, Phoenix. And Oil Rag, Ghosts and History, five stars. Love listening to these ladies. Ghosts along with history of the places they discuss is interesting and entertaining. We want to thank all of you for tuning in to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. We'd like to welcome new executive producer, Sharon Duffy. Thanks. Check out the website at historygoesbump.com.
This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.